if you haven't been in God's house, let me hear you say amen. amen. Isn't, isn't God good? I mean, God is, well, y'all know that. Oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. God is good. And all the time? How good is he? Gotcha, all right, all right, all right, all right. I usually, I tell my child, I say, he's mm, mm, very good. Mm, very good. All right, so let's try it. God is good? And all the time? How good is he? Man, I'm hungry now. Mm, man, my Lord, my Lord. It's good to be with you today, this morning, uh, Benita. This is actually pretty cool for me because uh, my mom's name is Benita. Yeah, that's, that's my mom's name. And I told her I was going to be preaching here. She's like, quit playing, you know. I said, yeah, mom, I think it's named after you, man, you know, and uh, so uh, she, uh, she's pretty excited about that, but I'm happy to be here. I actually came into town for a wedding, and uh, I'm performing a wedding tomorrow. Uh, I have no idea where, <laughs> hopefully somewhere close by, but uh, I've been enjoying my, my, my time here, Lonnie, you know, at his house, and his wife just, uh, just left, uh, well, she didn't leave him, they're still together, but... Uh, <laughs> She just went back to where I'm pastoring. Uh, I know Lonnie through his uh, daughter and his son-in-law. And um, so for the last few days, we've been uh, bacheloring it up. Help us, help us, Lord. Um, but it's been exciting. It's been a wonderful time. And I appreciate you. Uh, Richard, thank you for the invite. Pastor, thank you so much. You know, I've been hearing some great things about you. And just now that I've met you, now I know why. That this church absolutely lo- Do you love your pastor? He's just amazing. He's an amazing, amazing young man. You know, when I was your age, you know. Um, no, play, play. Uh, but no, it's really good to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, and uh, uh, Elder Paul actually knows uh, one of my elders back at uh, in Washington State. So uh, small world. Um, I was going to say a story about him, but I'm going to scratch that. Uh, <laughs> it was part of my sermon, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to say nothing. It's really small. It's a small world, but uh, but no, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited about the Word of God. How many of you guys are excited about God's Word, man? It's just amazing, you know. I mean, I have a television at home, but you know, I hardly watch it, you know. Um, but uh, this is just so exciting, you know. There's, there's all sorts of stuff right here. There's there's this prison break in here, you know. There's desperate housewives in here. <laughs> My Lord, you know, um, some serious stuff, man. Some of these things, X-rated. But uh, I love, I love the Word of God. I, I lose myself in this, and I'm just so happy to get the opportunity to read His Word. I got an email from my president of our Upper Columbia Conference, uh, you know, of a uh, church in this particular country that they, uh, and you may have gotten the email, I'm not sure, but they, you know, uh, t- to be a Christian in this country, I think Iran. Uh, it's, it's actually, uh, you know, uh, you know, against federal law. It's illegal, and uh, this Adventist church uh, worshipped, you know, in secret, and they uh, f- they found them out, arrested the pastor, and, and he's been tortured, and right now we don't know where he is, um, you know. And I tell my church that man, there are people actually hiding just to worship, and here in in America, man, we have the, this great opportunity just to be free to worship, free to worship. We have this freedom, at least for now, and uh, I think we need to grab on to it. So whenever you get the opportunity to come to church, man, just come. Come. We're free to worship. Uh, we don't know where this pastor is right now, and uh, he might be dead for all we know. But uh, uh, what a great opportunity to, to just worship God. And so um, I'm going to jump into the word here. And by the way, let me give you greetings, bring you greetings from my home church, uh, Pascal Ephesus, Seventh-day Adventist Church. I love that church, man. It's a wonderful church. You guys got to come visit. It's a beautiful church. And uh, the medium, the, the average age of my church is 21. 21. When, when, I, when I took over this church, it was about seven members. Three years ago, I became the head pastor when I was 24. I was something else. And, uh, and uh, I think that's why God has kept me single because uh, Ephesus is, is my girlfriend right now. And so um, and I'm, sometimes I'm mad at her sometimes and stuff, you know. Sometimes she does not want to talk to me and does not cook. For, anyways, but the, the point is, um, seven man, seven members, man. I was a young pastor just three, four years ago, twenty-four, and uh, and now we have over eighty members. 
Uh, and, and just a lot of young adults and young people, man. I love my young people. They're constantly, I have to look at my phone because they're constantly texting and, you know, calling me. You know, they have these weird names for me. You know, what's up, fool? And I'm like, that's past the fool to you. <laughs> but that's some respect, man. You know, I better recognize, you know. Um, but, uh, no, I love them so much. So I want to bring you greetings from Ephesus and the Richland Church, where I'm the associate pastor. Wonderful church as well. Um, and I just love, I love them, and I miss them right now. But I'm happy to be uh, worshiping with you uh, this morning. Yeah, and I'm actually from St. Lucia, the Caribbean. It's pretty, it's like pretty close to heaven. Uh, if you've ever been to the Caribbean, it's a wonderful place, and I love it. Um, and uh, just bringing you greetings from my mom as well. All right. Um, you know, last night I was at this Bible study, and, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was happy to be there, uh, but then I got mad after a while. They didn't know this. I got, I got real mad, because their Bible study was pretty much my sermon. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not saying nothing in this Bible study. I'm going to shut up, man. You know, I came close, but I'm like, no, that's in my sermon. I can't, I can't say that. Um, but uh, and I and I and I struggled with whether I should preach this this sermon this morning. But uh, the Lord said, go ahead, go ahead, and it's a wonderful thing to be obedient to God. And part of my sermon has to do with Cain and Abel. Thank you very much. Gosh, set me up, man. Y'all setting me up. All right, but uh, but no, we're just going to dive into the Word of God and just have a whole bunch of fun. Is that? Cool? Is that all right? All right, all right. Uh, but before we uh, uh, speak to God and uh, speak through his word, let's speak to God. Father, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for life, for your blessing, for you uh, being God. Lord, there's no one better. There's none like you. We will never understand what our sins look like on that cross. But you paid it all for us. And we thank you. So Lord, as we enter into your word, grant us wisdom, grant us knowledge. And please, I pray that the words that uh, fall from my mouth, that you rescue them, make them yours, is my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right. Um, let's jump right quick into this story. Um, I've entitled this message, Encountering uh, Jesus. Encountering Jesus. Let me see the hands of all those who've, who've encountered Jesus. You've encountered him, you know, in your life. Wow, just one, two, three. Man, this is str- struggles, right? Okay, how many of you guys have encountered Jesus? This brother, like, well, like half, half encountered, you know, <laughs> semi here. You know, playing. Um, all right, well, hopefully through this message, you know, a simple message, yet hopefully profound, and hopefully just allow your hearts to just be open, to be receptive to the Word of God, that uh, somehow, some way, you could see yourself in this story. And we're going to be using Peter, Richard. We're going to be using Peter to kind of uh, navigate our way through this through this story. And, and please don't don't look at somebody else and be like, oh yeah, Pastor, he's talking. You know, I preached a crusade in, uh, in a, an evangelistic campaign in Jamaica, um, and it was our last. We, we wanted to go to Kenya. But that didn't fall through, so we went to Jamaica, last resort. Resort, you know. Um, you know, it really was a mission trip, it really was, you know, on the beach. But, um, you know, we went to Jamaica, and I was preaching, this, I was preaching and, and I was preaching this word, man, and this brother is in front of me, he's like, he's like, tell them, pastor. Tell them. They're in sin, tell them. And I'm preaching, and this dude is getting on my nerves. I began having, like, homicidal thoughts and stuff, you know. And I'm like... He's like, tell, and I'm like, brother, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I, I think I spat on him too, so that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. But anyways, um, as we go through this word, man, just, just uh, focus on yourself. Just let, just let God speak to your heart. Don't, don't look at anybody else. Just, just let it get to you and, you know, let it permeate through your soul. Um, um, sometimes you can focus on, so, on somebody else that you forget about, you know, yourself and you need to be saved. And so as we go through this and, uh, you know, encountering Jesus, let me just read this passage of scripture found in the book of Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And we will read verse uh, 31 through to, I don't know, let me see. Let's do 34. Luke twenty two thirty one to 24. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't, say praise the Lord. 
Hurry up, praise the Lord. Hurry up, hurry up. Let's, 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 let's get to this. We have potluck pretty, oh, lunch pretty soon here, so I need to, need to eat. All right. All right, verse 31. I'll read in your hearing uh, from the, I believe, the King James. It says here, and the Lord said, now this is Jesus uh, speaking. Uh, the backdrop is this is the Last Supper. So he says, Simon, Simon. Now, by the way, let me just stop here real quick. Uh, in, in, in Greek and Hebrew studies, whenever someone called out your name twice, it shows a sense of urgency. Of what? Urgency. Something is really serious. And it, you, I really need your attention right now. So remember when Abraham went and you know, had to sacrifice his son? He was so sold out in doing it, God called him twice. Abraham, Abraham. When he called Moses, Moses. And so now Christ sees that there's a need for a sense of, ur- of urgency. Simon, Simon. Hmm. Behold. Satan has desired, has what church? Desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, somebody say amen, (laughs) that your faith uh, will not fail you. And when you are converted, you would strengthen your brethren. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both into prison and unto death. I got your back, Lord. I got you. Verse 34 says, Christ says unto him, I tell you, Peter, that the cock shall not crow this day uh, three times that you will deny. Uh, oh, sorry, the, the cock shall not crow this day before you have denied me three times that you ever knew me. Have you ever denied Jesus? So let's go through these three levels. These three levels. I'm going to kind of deal with it. So encountering. So I want to talk about how, you know, Peter encountered Jesus. How he fell from his encounter. And how God gave him the opportunity to re-encounter Jesus. Uh, By the way, at the outset of this message, I want to make clear that there are only two reasons why God has us on this earth. I believe in my study and when I've come to the point where I've realized there's only two reasons why God has us alive today. One, to experience his grace, and two, to share his grace to other people. That's it. That's it. To experience God's, the only reason why you're breathing, take a deep breath. One, two, three. Hold it. Okay, hold it right there. So let me continue. Um, you guys are so disobedient. All right. Um, if you just took a deep breath, that means God's life, God has breathed into your nostril the breath of life. And the only reason why you got up this morning is not because of your alarm clock. Because God got you up. I'll say amen for you. Amen. You can take an alarm clock, bring it to the cemetery. See who's going to get up. Probably nobody will get up. But God, God is the Alpha and Omega. He has you alive. And it's only by his grace that you are experiencing God today. It's only by his grace that you're experiencing life today. And not only does he want you to experience life, but he wants you to share grace to somebody else. And so... And so Peter, so we want to talk about how to encounter Jesus, how it's possible to fall from that encounter, and how to re-encounter him. So Peter, how does he encounter Jesus for the first time? You know, Jesus is out and he's teaching. And that night, one night, Peter is in a boat. And the dude is fishing. He's fishing with his comrade, with his posse, his crew. And they're fishing at night. How many fishermen we got here? Fisherwomen, fishermen. One, she's like, she, why did you raise her? She's like, <laughs> so uh, he's like, what do you do that for, honey? All right, are you a fisherman, Mr. Hawaii? All right, all right. What, what, when is the best time to fish, day or night? I thought it was only one fish. All right, all right. <laughs> There's multiple fishermen, women. When? In the day? You, 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 you fail, man. You fail, man. You fail. <laughs> Somebody said nighttime. Why night? Does anyone know why in the night, in the evening? At least back in those days. That's right. Your wife is, she's the fisherwoman. She's, man, she rocks. All right. Um, at night, at least back in those days, they fished at night because, you know, it was cool. On this, you know, during the day, they go all the way down and whatnot. But at the, in the evening, they come, they come up. And so, you know, Peter and his boys were fishing at night. Kind of grab this with me. And I'm very, my mind goes all over. When someone tells me a story, I'm beginning to visualize it so quick. And so just envision, you know, Peter and his boys in the Sea of Galilee, man, just, 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 you know, under the, uh, you know, starry night, 
starry sky and, and they're fishing. And, um, and usually what happens, you know, that morning the shoreline of Galilee would just turn into a marketplace. You know, kids would, would, you know, would be sent down by their mom and dad to get some fish. And so for the morning breakfast. And so, um, you know, they're fishing at night and Peter, ca- we, we all know the story. Peter cast his nets and pulled it back and he caught what? Nothing, not a zero donut. Pull it over here. Pull it back. Nothing. I mean, the sea was a miser that night. He caught nothing. And he's upset. And now he's going back, traveling back to shore. And usually, um, usually uh, there would be a little boy out on the ocean uh, front or the shore front. And he would shout out, have you caught anything? Talk about being embarrassed. A failure. Have you caught anything yet? I mean, have you ever been embarrassed before? I was a few years ago. I went to this. I went to this bank to cash out some money or whatever like this, and I saw a friend of mine that I just knew her so well. You know, I knew her from the front and from the back. You know, no, no lusting. Just I just knew her. I just knew her head and stuff like this. And so, um, and so, I, you know, she's a cool friend of mine. So I'm walking up and I'm trying like I'm like this, and like this, and I just turned around and I smacked her on the cheek with my, you know, like. <laughs> she turned around and it was not her. <laughs> I'm like, please don't call the cops. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was embarrassed. And I'm black, but they said I turned pale. So I don't know how that, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you know? Um, I was, must have been really pale. But, uh, but I was embarrassed, man. And there's sometimes in our lives, man, you know, you know things happen and, and we become embarrassed. Um, things may happen and we're ashamed and sometimes, we, you know, you may ask the question, where's God in this? Where's God in this situation? Peter's coming up and have you caught anything? And the response has to come back. No, we have not. She was a miser that night. It did not cooperate. Um, and uh, not only that, but, but now we got to wash our nets. We got to labor in washing our nets, even though we caught nothing. I love Jesus, man. Jesus loves to present the impossible so that he can do the possible. Isn't that amazing? He loves to present the impossible so that he can do the possible, so that when you look back, you can never say, it was me. I did it. Mm-mm, brother, that was God. That was the Holy Spirit. Uh, give him the praise and honor and glory. So Peter comes up, then he's washing his, net, his nets, and he's upset. And Jesus is now preaching. He's on this, on this shoreline preaching the gospel. It's a great teacher. And all of a sudden, the crowd gets to be so big that um, uh, Christ stops. And he says to Peter, you know, can I use your uh, boat as a pulpit? Now, y'all know Peter, right? I mean, if I was Peter, I'd be like, say what? Dude, I caught nothing. All night long, and I gotta clean my nets, I gotta clean this boat, and you wanna waste my time and use my plant, my boat as a pulpit? That's what he may have been thinking, but of course he's wise, and so he said, mm, sure, go ahead, man. Christ goes up and Christ begins to teach and to preach, outstanding, and Peter's washing his nets. We're talking about having that first encounter, right, with Jesus, Peter. He's washing his nets, and uh, all of a sudden in the middle of the sermon, Christ stops. And says, cast your nets. Cast your nets. Now, if I was Peter, I'd be like, now wait a minute. I'm a fisherman. You a teacher. I'm a physicist. I studied physiology. <laughs> at the school of physiology. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm, 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 I, I know about fishing. You a teacher. I'm a fisherman. Okay. I studied fishology. I know about this. You don't, you, don't, you don't tell me when to fish. You a teacher. You teach, I fish. I fish, you teach. Separate, you know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't get into this, brother. <laughs> you know, I, you, who, who, who in their right mind fishes in the daytime? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I guess some people do, you know. Must be because you have faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> All right, all right. So, uh, so this dude is like, um, man, you know, that's what I would have said if I was Peter. But Peter was like, but we caught nothing. Christ says, you know, let's go out, cast your nets, man. Cast your nets. I love Jesus, man. He always, again, man, he uh, just trust him when you don't even know what he's doing. Just trust him. 
Trust him when you can't trace him. My grandma will always say, even when he's leading you through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear no evil for the Bible says what? He is with us. Trust him. Man, um, he does the impossible. And so, and so Peter says, all right, fine, whatever. Let me embarrass you. So, you know, goes back out and we know how the story goes. He casts his nets and he pulls it back. And what does he have? A whole bunch of fish. Oh, we're about to have some grilled fish tonight with butter and cheese. He pulls it up and the next side does it the same thing. And the story goes on that uh, he had to call for help because God was just blessing, just blessing. Oh, man, have you ever experienced God's blessing just comes, just overwhelms you, just overwhelms you. Ah, and then he looks up at Jesus. I want you to grab this. He looks up at Jesus. And now he knows that he's dealing with an extraordinary man. Says to Jesus, depart from me. Why? I'm a sinful man. Don't, don't stand in my prayer. Lord, I'm sinful. You know, how many people I've, I've ministered to. I love, uh, you know, outdoor ministry. I, I love inner city ministry. I love getting my hands dirty, man. I love it. I just, I just love it, man. I love getting out there. And some of the dudes don't even know who I am. And they're playing basketball with me. And I'm killing them. On ba- Anyone plays basketball? I'll kill you. All right. So I'm playing basketball, you know, fade away, and Michael Jordan, okay? And then, and then afterwards, we're talking, and they don't know who I am, and they're like, there's a whole bunch of F-sharps, man. Yeah, man, F, man, and F this, and S-naturals, and, you know, <laughs> cussing here and cussing. And I'm just like, yeah, man, you know, whatever, you know. I'm hoping that they realize I, I mean, I'm not cussing. And they're F, 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 this, 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 this. And they're like, man, yeah, man. So I'm like, what do you do? He's like, man, you know, I work with the, in the fields, man, and F, F, F. And they're cussing, they're cussing, they're cussing. And I'm smiling because I know the question is coming. They're like, what do you do? I'm a pastor. <laughs> and they're like, um, oh. And this one guy was like, oh, F, I mean, oh, sorry, I mean, uh. I'm like, it's okay, man. Um, but they're like, man, you're so cool. You're so cool. I'm like, that's what God has called us to do. We gotta go into the highways and to the byways. We gotta go there and minister to these people. Be humble. Get out there. And so Peter looks at him and says, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. There's one of these guys I was ministering to. He, I, it took me two years to finally get him to come to church, man. He was a meth addict. I mean, he was in drugs and, uh, man, he, his, his, dad sold him to prostitution as a young boy and just terrible story and then he finally uh tried to get him to come to church for like two years he finally comes to church and uh he says to me before he came he says man i'm a sinful man i'm, a, I'm sinful like, you guys are perfect in this church i'm like yeah we're perfectly insane i mean <laughs> um we're, we're, I, 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 I had my, uh, my, one of my deacons put it on my church sign uh, about a few weeks ago that the church is, 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 is a hospital for sinners, not a rest home for saints. Oh, I mean, we're, we're sick, man. We're all in need of a doctor. You believe me? Say amen. I mean, we're sick. And so Peter, but I love it because anybody who really is sincere in their hearts and really want to follow Christ would know at first, man, I'm, I'm Man, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm all, man, I'm just all, just tangled up. My sins is crazy. About 40% of my young men struggle with pornography in my church. It's messed up. I mean, we got to deal with these issues, right, Pat? I mean, these are issues. And these men are like, man, I can't be a part of church because I'm messed up. And Christ says to Peter, follow me. Don't, don't get it right and then come to me. No, come right now. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me now, man. And I'll make you fishers of men. That was his first encounter with Jesus. Do you remember when you were first baptized? Oh, that first time you, just en- you encountered, you know, Jesus Christ. How he took you from the guttermost and placed you on this platform and God saved you. And he has you walking in a new- in newness of life. Remember what you were before and what you are today. I have the awesome opportunity, Lonnie, of baptizing people, and I love it. I say, you know what, y'all do the board meetings, that's fine. Just let me baptize. That's all I want to do is just baptize. And, 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 and I find myself constantly being in the baptismal pool. I love it. I baptize this one kid, he's like seven years old. He was like, Pastor, can I swim out because it's so nice in there? I'm like, sure. So I baptized him, he almost did a flip, and he swam out. 
That's his experience. He's, that's when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that. I love that. Peter says, I will follow you. And the Bible says, he let his nets down, left his boat, followed Jesus. Didn't know what was going to happen. Didn't know what the future held. But he followed Jesus. So he encountered. Now, there come a time, this is where we pick up the story, where he's about to fall from his encounter. And somebody, somebody here knows what that's about. What that's like to fall. Peter looks at Christ and Christ says, Simon, Satan desires to have you. He doesn't want you. He don't need you. He desires to have you. There's a difference. You could want something, probably don't need it. You could need something but don't want it. But when you desire something, I mean, that takes full control of your life. It's, it occupies your mind. It, 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 you know, it just, you know, your mind is constantly thinking about it. It takes control of your life. You desire this thing. You think about it. You, when you're sleeping, it's on your mind. When you're in the bathroom, it's on your mind. You're taking a shower, whatever. It's something that you desire. It takes full, it consumes you. Satan doesn't want us. He desires us. Young people, where you at, young people? Under 18? Say, what, what? All right. <laughs> cool. Young people, he desires to have you. He desires to have you. And to sift you like wheat. And I don't know what that's like. I mean, you can want something, you can need something, but desiring is totally different. I was, I was uh, back in Calgary, Alberta. I was working one summer uh, as, you know, a landscaper. It was funny because... When I was younger, my mom, her punishment to me was always to put me in, uh, in the garden to go cut roses and bonsais and whatever. Um, and, and, and I hated that. And now I'm, I'm doing it to sustain and to pay for school. And I'm doing this landscaping. And I'm at this lady's house and I'm cutting her grass. And usually when, you know, we're at somebody's house, uh, they, you know, be kind enough to give us water or orange juice or something like this. And, and so I'm cutting this lady's house. She's in the kitchen. I know she sees me. And I'm cutting the grass, and I'm there for like three, four hours, and she has not called me to offer water or orange juice. Nothing. Nothing. And she's by the kitchen. Man, I cut that grass by the kitchen like eight times, man, until, <laughs> until dirt began coming. You know, you know? and, uh, and uh, finally she comes out. She says, Do you, are, you, are you thirsty? Do you want something to drink? And I was like, mm, yeah. I guess, you know, if you, you're offering, you know, I'm cool, but since you, you know, but in my heart, I'm like, yeah, you know, hook me up. And so I go in and uh, she's there and she's, I saw some orange juice and some water, but then I also saw that she had like this juice extractor thing and she had like, what's it called? Like melon cactus or something, some bitter melons and carrots and beets and just, just vegetables, vegetables, just all this junk, not junk, but you know, <laughs> By the way, side note, before the fall of man, it was nuts and fruits. I didn't see no vegetables. All right. So, so she has all these vegetables, and then she's blending it, and it's coming out green, thick green. And I'm like, that's probably for her or, your, or, her, or her, you know, her husband, because they're old, right? You know, you know they're old. Like, as soon as you go over 30, you're old. So I'm thinking, no, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm almost there. Okay, so I'm thinking that's for her, you know, herself and her husband. Um, and I'm going to get some orange juice. Then she comes to me, she's like, Ron, you're going to drink this. I'm like, say what? You know, <laughs> can I get some water? Like, I would drink lukewarm. It doesn't matter, man. Just give me water. She says, no, you need this. You may not want it. You may not desire it, but you need it. I was like, man. You know, she's a nurse. And so she gave me the thing and took it up to my mouth and, even right now, I want to upchuck, man. I just, just the scent was just terrible. And she was like, you got to drink all, drink all of it. And I sipped, I almost saw heaven, you know, like, I mean, I almost died. And, and uh, it took me like almost an hour to drink the whole thing. It was terrible. I didn't want it. I didn't desire it. But guess what? The rest of the day, man, I was full of energy. I was just energized. I was like, I was like, a, mm. I was like, I could move this house with my bare hands. I was full of energy. And I realized I needed it. I didn't want it. I didn't desire it, but I needed it. Satan does not want us. He does not need us, but he desires us. We're constantly on his mind. Think about that. Our adversary is a force. And Christ says, Satan desires to have you. Mrs. White, 
one of my favorite authors, says that when Jesus, when, when, when we're born, not only does God assign an angel to our lives, Satan assigns a demon. Some serious stuff, y'all. She also says, uh, in, in, um, um, in, I think it's in Desire of Ages, um, that if God would open our eyes for one second to the spiritual realm, it would shock us to death to see that great battle between good and evil for your life and for mine. And according to Revelation 12, Satan has come down with great anger. Why? Because he knows, my brother, he has a short time. He is mad. At first he began attacking the child, which is Jesus Christ. Now he's attacking the church. Who's that? That's us. He's attacking, and he's attacking hard. My first funeral was a, I walked into the church, man, and uh, my first funeral, I walked into the church, and it, I'm looking for the casket. No casket. I see a box. It's a 12-hour-old baby. My first funeral. And this dad, who is just a big old, big old dude, right, six foot six, big old dude, is crying to me, and he says, he says, man, if, if, if you die, I understand. If I die, I understand, or whatever. Like, he says, what did this 12 our old baby do to deserve this? And I was new in ministry. I, I didn't know how to answer that. I don't know about you guys, man. I'm tired of this world, y'all. I really am, man. And because and, and, Satan is so angry and he's attacking and he's attacking hard. And if he tries to attack you and somehow you stood strong and firm, praise the Lord, he's going to go to the next best thing, your wife, your children. He desires to have you and to sift you like wheat. Like God said, you know, Jesus, when, 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 remember Cain, I was, that's my, my part right here. You know, Cain did this sin and Christ went to him and Christ says, you know, Christ says, your face, what's wrong with you? Your face is fallen. Just, your, your face is just messed up. I know something's wrong. You know, sometimes I've been to some churches and you just know this one brother comes to me, he's like, happy Sabbath. I'm like, are you happy? And he's like, yeah, I'm happy. I'm like, uh, have you told your face that? Because... I don't think your face knows that you're not happy, you know? Um, um, you know, and, and his face was just fallen. You're just mad. And, and God is like, what's wrong with you, Cain? Your face is fallen. And God says this. This is a powerful word. It's found in, uh, in Genesis 3. It says, Cain, God says to Cain, Cain, Satan is standing at your heart. And he is knocking. Sin, he says, is standing and it's knocking. And it desires, it, it what? It desires to have you. It's knocking at your heart. Peter saying desires to have you, sift you like me. But I've prayed for you mm, that your faith will not fail you. At first I had a problem with that. I'm like, Lord, just deal with it for me. Don't pray for me. Just deal with it for me. I pray for you that your faith will not fail. And when, this shocked me, Richard. When you are converted. This dude was walking with Christ for three and a half years. When you are converted, he will strengthen your brothers. Lord, man, I, what are you talking about, man? I'm going to go with you to prison. I'm going to go with you to jail. I'm going to go with you to death. I got your back. Not like my dude, when this one, this one guy was, uh, his name was Rashid. Hmm. Rashid, Rashid Richardson. He was a bully in my in my class. Dude, I mean, he his ears were so huge, like he had like free cable. Just, I mean, just this dude was. I couldn't tell him that because he would beat me up. And uh, he was just he was just a big old bully. And uh, um, you know, but then I promised. I said, one day, brother, I'm gonna get you. Oh, it's on! As soon as I graduate, I'm gonna get you. But I wanted to make sure, so I call. I hollered at, at my friend. I said, Yo, man, you got my back. You know, I'm going to go deal with Richard, with, with, uh, Richard, with Rashid. He says, yeah, man, I got you, I got you, man. So we go, we went down the hall, you know, I got my swag, you know. I'm like, Rashid, what's up? And then uh, Rashid, I guess, was thinking the same thing as me, because he got his brother, big old dude, right? But I'm like, I'm cool, I got this, you know. But then uh, I look back for my buddy Bob, and he was all the way down the hall, and he was like, I got your back, man, way back, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to finish the story. Um, but uh, Peter says, man, I got you. I got you, God. When it comes down to it, I'm going to stand for you. I got you. Christ says, man, you don't even know. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I know the future. 
you're going to deny me three times that you ever even knew me. How many of you guys believe that Peter was actually sincere in saying, I got you, Lord? He was. He was. He really was. But Jesus knows. But he says, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have been converted, strengthen your brothers. And we know what happened. The Christ is walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's so amazing. We lost life in one garden, and we gained it in another garden. We lost it in the Garden of Eden. We gained it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isn't that amazing? And he's going to the garden, and Christ is about to, he says to the disciples, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go intercede on your behalf. But he says, I want you to stay here and do two things. What was that? Watch and pray. Watch and pray, man. Goes in and he, he's praying and we know the, 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 the attention was so great he begins to do what? Sweat blood. Comes back out. He says, finds them sleeping. Y'all couldn't stay awake for one hour? Goes back in and out and the soldiers come to get him. And uh, Peter sees this and Peter was packing that night. His brother was packing. He pulls out his, his sword or whatever, knife or whatever. And he slices this dude's ear off. The ear falls to the ground. Christ says, don't worry about this. I don't need you to defend me, Peter. I could call 10,000 angels right now. Man, forget that. I could just bat my eye and everybody will be done. I don't need you, Peter. He goes down, takes the dude's ear and puts it back. Now, if I was that soldier, I would be the best Christian in the world. <laughs> I would be like, Jesus, man. I mean, could you imagine? Um... Then they shackled him. You know the story. Took him away uh, to the different courts and then began to beat on him. And Peter ran, but then he went to, he wanted to see what's going on. And the Bible says he began following Jesus from afar. And I asked myself, man, Lord, how many times have I followed you from afar? I might be a great Christian in church, but man, during the week, man, I'm following you from afar. I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. I don't want them to know I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And I'm following you from afar. My, my choices, my language is, does not indicate my belief. And I'm following you from afar. I'm embarrassed. And Jesus is being whipped, and Peter is, and you know the story, he's sitting there, and the people came to him and said, Hey man, I know you. You're that big mouth disciple. The one that always talks. I know you, Peter. You were with this dude. I never knew the man. Walks away, goes somewhere else. The girl says, I know you. You're Peter, the, the you know, ex-fisherman. I know you. Because when I wanted to see Jesus, you told me not to go. I know you, Peter. I never knew the man. Get away from me goes back to somebody else and says, yeah, man, I know you, dude. I know you, Peter. You always walk with him. He says, man, if you don't get up out of my face, I will chop your ear off. I just did that a few hours ago. I will chop your ear off too, brother. I don't know the man. Right on cue. The rooster sounds the inevitable alarm. Hits Peter. And my Bible tells me at that moment, brother, Jesus and Peter, their eyes lock. Christ caught his eye right when he denied Jesus. Here's the great thing. Jesus is not looking at him with a, I told you so, look. I told you so. You punk, I told you so. My Bible says he looked at him with what? Compassion. I knew it, bro. I knew it, man. But I still love you. Some of you don't know what it's like to catch his eye. To be in your sin and you know that while you are doing it, even before, during, or even after, you feel the penetrating eyes of Jesus just watching you and you have fallen from your encounter with Christ. You've done something and he locks eyes with you. You know, I I know what, what, what that's like. You know, growing up, uh, you know, we weren't that rich. Uh, and I used to love, I used to love wrestling. I used to love it, man. Lex Luger, Hulk Hogan, man. The amount of shirts I tore up 
My mom was like, Ron, are you paying for those shirts? Stop tearing it up. I'm like, but mom, I'm a real American. Some of you know that song by Hulk Hogan. She's like, you were St. Lucian. Stop singing that song. But I loved wrestling. I loved it. I loved it. And, and they had these figurines, um, you know, you, know, they, you, you could have bought and, 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 and played with, but we couldn't afford the figurines. So this is, this is, this is going to sound dumb. You know, don't laugh. But, um, you know, I used to use my mom's like, cream bottles and uh, perfume bottles as figurines. Thanks, thank you for not laughing. I appreciate that. And I used to fight with these powder bottles, like Pal Drive and clothesline with the... I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right, if you don't have toys. And so I would take her Avon bottles and her Gucci bottles and her powder bottles and her creams, whatever. And I would go into my room, make a, make a ring with, with my legs and... I mean, I'm just enjoying it. My mom walks in one day into my room. She's like, you know what? I'm not going to ask what you're doing. Just... Just don't use my bottles, okay? Just, 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 just quit it. Take it and put it back, and don't use it again. It's like, all right, mom. This is during the summer holidays when I'm home, and so I took it and I brought it back, and I'm cool. You know, the first day went by, I'm cool. You know, I don't need to play with those bottles. I'm cool. Second day, the third day, you know, man, that, that temptation, you know, and then, and, and you know, Satan knows how to get you into trouble or get you into things, but he never shows you the way out. He he leaves you hanging, and so I I just. Man, I would pass by my mom's room and I would hear, Ron, oh, you know, play with us. I'm like, man. And I would go in and then I went in one day and I looked at the table and I had to study it. Because I'm going to bring it back and I want my mom not to know that. So I studied the thing, man. Scanned it with my brain. You know, I got a big head for a reason. So I'm scanning the thing and I took the bottles, you know, went into the room and I'm fighting with the bottles, you know, psh, psh, psh. And all of a sudden, I hear a door slam in the garage. I'm like, no way. She's here already. Lord, have mercy. So I grabbed the stuff, brought it back to her room, put it back in the right place. I'm good. Mm. She came in. Everything was cool. I went back into my room, and I realized I forgot a cream bottle on my bed. So I'm like, all right, I'm cool. You know, I'm just, I'll just leave it there for one evening. And then when she goes to work tomorrow, I'll just you know, bring it back. Um, so I took the cream bottle and I put it under the bed. I left it there. Everything is cool. No, seven o'clock came around. I'm, I'm about eleven. I'm about eleven years old. Seven o'clock comes around. I'm watching, you know, CNN because I was pretty brilliant back then. So I'm watching CNN, you know, deep into the news and stuff. And my sister, you know, is is in on the other side of the living room. She's doing some homework. And by the way, my sister, she's older than me. Older sisters are evil. I'm convinced they're demonic. I, you know, they're just evil. My sister. Lord have mercy. And so um, I'm watching TV, and my mom comes with um, <laughs> my mom comes with alfalfa. Now my mom hardly scolded me, but there were those days that she did. You know, spare the rod, you spoil the child. So she has alfalfa. Alfalfa is the belt, thick old belt, Nike swoosh um, on it. And uh, she turns the TV off. She says, "Ron, where's my cream bottle?" I'm like, "Mom, I ain't got no cream bottle. My skin is smooth. You <laughs> know, I don't need your cream bottle, Mama." I'm not ashy, you know. And she says, Ron, where is, your, where is my cream bottle? I said, Mom, I don't have it. What are you talking about? And then my sister begins to sing the refrain, beat him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And, uh, and she finally says, Ron, for the last time, where is my cream bottle? And this is what I said. I said, Mom, as God is my witness. I sure did. <laughs> As God is my witness, I do not have your cream bottle. And now I'm preparing myself, or I'm preparing myself to get whooped. Just preparing myself. I'm about to man up. And instead of being whooped, tears came down her face. And I said, Mom, it's not that deep. I'll buy you a cream bottle, you know? It's not that deep, Mama. She began to cry. And she says, follow me. Okay. I followed her into my room. And then she knelt down. And she pointed at the cream bottle. She said, what is this? And she looked back at me. And I caught her eye. Man, my heart was just ripped open. I had this. Because see, I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom. I love her so much. And to disappoint her just ripped me apart. Caught her 
Later on, I asked, I said, Mom, why did you cry? She says, because Ron, you, my dad had left home when I was 11, and he was just, he lies, just lied, just a lot. And she says, Ron, for the first time, you reminded me of your father. See, you look like him, you, you got no choice. You walk like him, you got no choice. You even sound like him, you have no choice. But you do have a choice with your character, your integrity. And for the first time, I looked and I saw your dad in your character. And I locked eyes with my mama. I know what it's like to mess up and do things that I know Jesus just does not want me to do and catch his eye. And I've fallen from that encounter. You feel so guilty sometimes. You're like, man, I, oh, oh. But then he, remember Christ says, I've prayed for you. Judas is not going to make it. And I'm pretty sure Peter contemplated suicide. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail you. Christ was crucified. Peter was not even there. And we pick up the story again. He's fallen from that encounter. We pick up the story again. Peter goes back fishing for the first time. Isn't that something? He goes back to the first place he found Jesus. He goes back to the first place where he encountered Jesus. He went back fishing. And he's fishing, and the story goes on that same thing happened. He's fishing, and he's catching not a thing. And a voice comes from the shore. Have you caught anything? Peter says, no, I have not. Christ is getting ready to have him experience the re-encounter. I love Jesus so much. So forgiving. Have you caught anything? No. Cast your nets. Did it. Caught fish. John says, man, Peter, that's our master. That's Jesus. And Peter, I guess... They fish naked because the Bible says that he put his clothes on and jumped back into the river and swam to Jesus. Do you fish naked? No, I hope not. All right. And he swims back to Jesus. And then Jesus now reinstates him. Remember how many times Peter denied him? Now he's asking Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Feed my sheep. Second time, do you love me, Peter? Yeah, Lord, I do, man. Feed my sheep. Third time, do you love me? And Peter, the Bible says, got really sad. Do you love me? And he says, you know what, Lord, you know. I, 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 I love you. Feed my sheep. And Peter reinstates. You know, I was talking to a young friend of mine, a young person in my church, and you will be amazed how many times I've been called to the hospital at 11, 12, 1 o'clock, because one or two of my young people have contemplated suicide, have tried to kill themselves. Recently, it was about three weeks ago, one of, the, one of my young boys in church swallowed like 80, 80-something Tylenol pills. Man, Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm sitting there like, man, you're trying to take your life, but someone already took his life to save yours. That was Jesus. But you feel so guilty. He says, man, pastor, you don't understand. I'm messed up. I'm messed up. And I said, man, are you still breathing? Are you still alive? Then if you are alive and you go to God with a sincere heart and you say, Lord, forgive me, guess what? He does not go to a church board and say, well, let me, let me talk to them about it. Let me talk to the elders about forgiving you. No, my Bible says he forgives right away. It's done. You're justified, man. It's done. If you are honest and sincere, it's done. You've done it. You've messed up. You've done things. You've been places. You've said things. Ah, Your sins are just evil. It's garbage. And you can't clean yourself. You can't save yourself. But God can. Go to him for forgiveness. And he says, I will reinstate you. I will restore you. You can encounter me and continue to encounter me. But God says, I want to be the Lord of your whole life. I know people who have fallen from their encounter and never got the opportunity to re-encounter Jesus. A few weeks ago, I, uh, something happened. It just kind of struck me really hard. When I was 11, and my friend Shane was 10 years old. 10, I, was 10, I was 11, he was 10. And uh, we would go over to my grandma's house after church. My home church is a big old church, still big, about over a thousand members. Adventist church is phenomenal. Um, one pastor, it's kind of crazy, but um, but it's just an amazing church. And we would go over to my grandma's house, and he came to me. Shane, he says, "Ron, man, I want to be a pastor when I grow up." I was like, "Yeah, Shane, 
I said, great, brother. I said, you know, because at that time, I wanted to be a pilot. So I said, you know, you go ahead and be a pastor. You wouldn't be paid that much, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pay tithe in your church. Don't worry about it. You know, you'll be fine. And now I'm a pastor. <laughs> Anyways, but um, so I said, man, you'll be, you do a great job, Shane says. I said to him, and I said, go ahead, man. And that week was his birthday. Following Sabbath, he comes back to my grandma's house, and he's crying. I said, what's wrong, bro? He says, I went to my mom. And they asked me, what do you want for your birthday? I said, mom, I want a Bible and a hymnal. And his mom said to him, and when, when, when they heard that all the family in the house, was, they, they laughed at him. They laughed at him. And his mother told him, you are, why do you want a Bible and a hymnal? He said, because I love God and I want to be a pastor. And they laughed even more. And they looked at him and said, his mom looked at him and says, you are too much of a demon child to be a pastor. And he comes to me and his heart was broken. Story goes on, at his 13, 14, and he was brilliant, this dude was brilliant. 13, 14, he uh, started, you know, going into the gangs, into the clubs. I know he made his own choice, but man, he had no support from home. When your mom tells you you are a demon child, might as well walk into that destiny, right? So he goes in, and he begins to gangbang, drugs, started with uh, uh, tobacco, then into marijuana, then into meth. He was just, he just went downhill, he had a hit out for him. Went to Toronto for a little bit, came back. Last year, I went back to St. Lucia to speak to 6,000 people. It was a wonderful opportunity. And I'm speaking to these people. And then I went down to my grandma's house late in, in the evening. I said, I said to my aunt, aunt, where is Shane? Oh, I heard he's just uh, down the block. So I'm walking in my suit, and, and I'm looking for Shane, man. And he's down. He says, my aunt says, Ron, be careful. There's a whole bunch of gangsters. I'm like, I don't care. Man, once you walk in with Jesus, I don't care. I got angels with me. So I'm walking, and I get to the spot. These guys are just sitting there. And you could swear it's the Holy Spirit, but it was not. It was just weed, okay? Just smoke. <laughs> and, this, and they were meditating. I'm like, man, either they're really spiritual or, you know. Anyway, so I get there. And before I saw Shane, he saw me. And he calls out to me. And, he's be, and he began walking towards me. With a beer bottle in his hand and a, and a blunt in the other. And he looks at me and says, Ron, man. See, because I became a pastor, and he didn't. And he says, Ron, man, man I, I, you know, I don't want you to see me like this, man. I said, Shane, man, I, I don't care, man. I love you, bro. I love you, man. And I was in a suit, and we were talking. I said, Shane, man, you know, the Lord still loves you. You know that, right? He says, yeah, man, but I've gone too far. I've fallen from my encounter. I said, Shane, man, God's hand is long enough. He could yank you back. Just call him. Just call him. And he will find you. People tell me all the time, oh man, I found Jesus. You, you didn't find Jesus. He was never lost. He found you. The, the sheep didn't go looking, the lamb didn't go looking for the shepherd. The shepherd went looking for the lamb. Shane, he will find you. Just, just accept him, man. I love you. And he, you know, sitting there and all these guys are around. And I said, man, Shane, just pray for me and I'll pray for you, brother. I love you, man. And, and I said, can I, can I hug you? He says, man, but I'm kind of smelling. And I said, I don't care. And we embraced. We embraced. That was last August. About a month ago, I'm going through my Facebook and stuff like this, you know. And then I saw a picture of him. And on the picture said, get well soon. That was from his sister, get well soon. So I inquired what, what happened. He was at this club and he got beat up by 14 guys. And he was in a coma. So, of course, I began praying. For Shane, my friend. And we prayed, we prayed, and I saw all the bulletins, get well soon, buddy, get, get well soon. And then I'm going through Facebook again, I'm just kind of walking down, going down, you know, the wall. And then I see the same picture of my friend Shane with RIP. And frankly, that night I stayed in my room and I wept. Broke my heart. Broke my heart. And then a week later, again, I'm going through Facebook, and someone took a picture of him in the casket. And I could not sleep for four days. Not that I was scared of caskets or nothing like that, but just to know that my friend is gone. He's done. He's gone. And it broke my heart. And I heard God saying, Ron, remind people, if you are alive, you could re-encounter Jesus. 
My Bible says while blood is running warm in your veins, while you are clothed with your right mind, the Bible says if you hear my word, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Now! Not tomorrow, y'all. Now is the accepted time. And God can forgive. And he wants to come in and take full control of your life, not half. I've seen those stickers, God, Jesus is my co-pilot. Really? That's a problem. No, he's my pilot. I just, you, you know what? I don't even want to be in the cockpit. So let me chill in the back. Jesus, you take the wheel and just run this thing. Because whenever I do, Lonnie, I always, always mess up. I always mess up. So my prayer is this. If you've never encountered Jesus, try him. I've baptized atheists. If you have fallen from your encounter, if you are right now in a fallen state, and there are things in your life that probably nobody else knows about, Nobody else knows about, but God does. And it's ripping you inside. You know it. You come to church and you, and you put on this facade. But in the evening, man, you're messing with some sins that are just destroying you. And you feel so far from God. God says, man, I could heal you. That is you, man. Reach out to him. He wants to re-encounter you. He really does. Shall we all stand? Shall we all stand? My Bible says that God is a jealous God. He either wants all. God is a God of totality. He wants either all or nothing. All or there's no neutral ground with God and Satan. It's either you on his side or you on the other side. God wants you to choose and fully, fully follow him. I'm going to share this last thought and then we're going to pray. Story is told of this one guy who got a, a note from Jesus that Christ says, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to live. Is that okay? And the guy says, oh man, yeah, Lord, come. Come to my house. Come, man. And before Christ came, the man went up, had a big old house. The man went up and he prepared this room for Jesus. Prepared this room for Jesus. Had a, his own bathroom and closet, whatever. Christ comes and the man says, Lord, I'm so happy to have you here. I've prepared a room for you up here. Lord, this is your room. You can do whatever you want with this room. This is your room. Go in. Have fun, Lord. And Christ did that. And that night, a knock came at the door. The front door. The man opened the front door. It was two demons trying to come in to his house. And he fought those demons all half the night. Made all sorts of noise. But the demons left. And the man was concerned. Fighting two demons and Jesus didn't come down to help. What's up with that? He let that slide. You know, the second night, another knock came at the door. Man opened the door. It's like four demons trying to come in. And, he's, and he fights with them pretty much all night long. But they leave. And he's concerned now because Christ didn't come down to help. So he says, you know what? I'm going to talk to Jesus at breakfast. And so breakfast came around. And Jesus, did you not hear for the past two nights I've been battling with these demons? Christ says, yeah, I heard. And the man says, why didn't you come down to help? Christ says, when you invited me to your house, you invited me to be Lord and ruler of one room. Not your entire house. And the man realizing this says, man, Father, I'm so sorry. Could you take full control of my entire house? My whole house. And that night, a knock came at the door. Who do you you think answered the door? Jesus. On the next side was Satan. Jesus says, what do you want here? And Satan says, hmm, I got the wrong address. <laughs> I've determined in my mind, folks, to let Jesus answer my door. To let him deal with my whole life. The good and the bad. I've determined in my life to do so. Even when he leaves me in areas I don't even know what he's doing. But I've determined to trust him. And to know that when I make a mistake, that God is still willing to forgive me. He's not too concerned about the falling down. He is more concerned about getting back up and moving along and using that experience to share with others. That you were once down on your face, but God lifted you up. He lifted you up.
Father, I know this story all too well. <sighs> Lord, I've messed up so many times. And Lord, I know for you it's not about how many places I've preached or how many churches I've passed or our talents or our looks. It doesn't matter about that with you, Lord. The Bible says you are the God of the heart. You know our hearts, Lord. And you said, Lord, if we are just, if we are your children and we're called by your name, then we got to humble ourselves and pray, seek your face and turn from our, our wicked ways. Only then you will hear from heaven and heal our land, heal our families, heal our schools, heal our church, heal our hearts. So Father, today, right now, at this moment, at this time, we pray that you take full control of our lives. We do not want to stay in that fallen state. We would love to get back up, Father, but we cannot do it on our own. We need you, Lord. We need you. So Father, keep us near the cross. Keep us near your heart until you come again. Keep us faithful. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody say, Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you.